0: Good evening. evening. We are so glad that you are here with us tonight to celebrate this uh, beautiful holiday season. And uh, if you'll join me, and I just want to invite you to listen to the words of Luke as he shares his account that was inspired by God and the Holy Spirit, giving testimony uh, to the birth of Christ so that we might hear and believe. It says, in those days Just to celebrate this good news, the same news that these shepherds heard, that unto us a child has been born, a Savior. Father, you have chosen to come and make yourself known through a son. You have revealed yourself in ways beyond measure. Lord, you have, gone just, you have been relentless in making yourself known to us, coming down, entering into the brokenness of this world, Lord, so that we might know you. Uh, that we might know the mercy and the forgiveness that you extend to us through this great gift. Uh, Father, and so tonight we want to celebrate that truth, those realities. Father, I pray that as we gather tonight, Lord, that our hearts would just overflow with great joy. It's who you are and what you've done through your son uh, on our behalf. Father, that we might be reconciled to you and be known by you. And so, Lord, we lift up this time. We pray that you would delight in the things that take place tonight. We, we would just ask that we would make much of you as we celebrate together. And we ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.
1: Good evening. Thanks for coming out tonight to be here with us. Uh, we love this time of year as we get to stop in the busyness of the holiday season the christmas season and and just stop and for a few minutes just reflect on what this really means and why we come together and why we come to worship together each week and uh, as i was thinking about that uh, just uh, even today but really throughout this past week and, and leading up you know as we've been spending time each week just talking about the incarnation the idea of god coming in the flesh and and all that goes with that and uh, I was reading lots of articles this week and different things and commentaries and and the way people look at Christmas, whether they're within the faith or without, uh, maybe not in the main line of Christianity, but as they look at it. and, And a lot of times what you see is a lot of kind of touchy, feely, good feelings about Christmas. And people like to make it different things and they like to say. And I was thinking about that and I think a lot of that is, is part of it is we like a great story. And, and uh, maybe if the faith element isn't there, people still are attracted to the story and how oh, it sounds great. And Jesus in the manger and the wise men and all the things that go with it and the, the things that we uh, customarily think of. And I was thinking about that and we love good stories and we love uh, huge claims and we love heroes and we love surprise endings and and redemption and restoration and all these things, and as I was thinking about that, you know when you open scripture and you see what it tells us and what it says it 's the greatest story that 's ever been, and it 's not just a story it 's real, and it 's what god 's actually done and so I think sometimes people are attracted to it, even if they don 't quite see the whole of the picture just because of of this story and so this this evening, I want us just to talk for a few minutes about this picture and i 'm going to read to us from Matthew. Uh, Chapter one, verses 18 to 25, Um, as we often say, there's these these pew Bibles there. If you'd like to follow along on page 523, they look like this. We've got them all throughout. If you need a Bible, you don't have one. You're welcome to take one with you if you're visiting with us. But we always say that because I like for you to see what I'm actually saying and see what I'm saying comes from. God's word. And it's not my own thoughts, but what it says. And so let's read those verses together and then just think for just a couple of minutes on this perfect story, this beautiful picture that we see at Christmas. And so Matthew chapter one, verse 18, starting in verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray, and then we're just going to look at those few verses together for just a minute. Dear Lord, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for the beauty of the story of you coming to us. We thank you uh, most of all that it's not just a story, that it's the truth. It's the reality of this world and, and where we are. And so we thank you that you loved us enough to come to us. And so we pray tonight that as we open your word and we just ponder these things for a few minutes, that your spirit would move mightily, that you would apply it to our hearts, that you would. Uh, Show it to us anew and afresh, and we would leave here glorifying and honoring you and praising you in all things we do, that that would be the center of our Christmas celebration. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as I was thinking about this idea of the perfect story that you see in Scripture and and what we get, uh, three things that I just want to hit on real briefly. I'm going to be very brief tonight in our time, but just that all of history is waiting for this. When we get to Christmas, all of history has been waiting for this. And then second, in this story, you have the greatest hero that's ever been. And then lastly, you have the greatest hero because this is the greatest rescue mission that's ever been. And so I just want to take those three and talk about that for just a second. First, I want you just to consider that all of history was waiting for this time when Jesus comes down into the story, into the, onto earth, taking on skin, what we call the incarnation as he comes in the flesh. You know, this past year, if you've been with us and you're regular with us, maybe you're visiting tonight. this year, we spent the entire year working our way through the whole overview of scripture. And we we just spent week after week kind of working through scripture all the way through seeing the big story and the big idea. And the big idea is simply this, that we were made to be in God's presence, to be in fellowship with him. And we decided to turn our backs on him. That's what we call sin. We decided to ignore God and his world and in his creation and at the very moment that happened with the first man and woman, as they decided to turn their back and ignore what God had told him, God made a promise right there at the beginning. I'm going to send a savior to fix what just happened, to fix our broken relationship between us and God with one another, with all the things that are wrong in creation, that sin that are ignoring God brought into this story And he makes that promise right there at the beginning. And he says, I'm going to fix it. And you see that right there. And so from that moment, from that promise, that point on all of human history has been about Jesus. Waiting for him to come as that promise was made. And so as you work your way through the biblical picture, you see that just reiterated over and over. You see it right there in Genesis and then you see it a little later in Genesis with Abraham the promise is given to Abraham. And then as we follow it along, you get it to David and it's going to come from your line, David. And then you get to the prophets much later, about 700 years before Jesus would come. And the prophets start to write of the Messiah and what will be like. And he's going to be a suffering servant. And he's going to come from this certain tribe and all these things, the tribe of Judah and all this. And then you get to Ezekiel and this incredible thing happens that Ezekiel tells us. God says, this savior that's going to come, it's going to be me. I myself am going to come down and search for my sheep and I will rescue them out of the dark places. That's what God tells the prophet Ezekiel. And then even as we read right here in Matthew's account, he hearkens back to the prophet Isaiah. And if you see there in verse 22 and 23, it says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And it's talking about the prophet Isaiah and in Isaiah chapter seven, it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive a bear and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God is going to come down, that that's what all this is pointing to. And so we sit when I say that all of history has been pointing to this moment. Literally, all of history has been pointing to the moment of Jesus coming. And the prophets wrote about it, and you see it all the way through the biblical story. But you don't even have to look just in the biblical story to see this or to know this. All throughout human history, even apart from just what Scripture tells us, you see it all the way through. And the reason I say that, that, that this is the longing, I'd say it's the longing of every person on earth for Jesus to come. And you can say, well, wait a second, really? Why would you say that, that it's the longing of every person when some didn't know about them or different things? And the reason I would say that is when you go back and you look, 95 percent of the world's population believes in some sort of God or deity. And if you work your way back through history and you start to look at all those times and all the things and the way people lived and what they did in every civilization, civilization, there was temples and altars and all these things that they did and all these ways that they sought to worship and to see. And what you see in all of those as you go back, I mean, you can go and visit today, go to Athens or Rome or any city that has an ancient history. And you go and you see the ruins of temples and to gods and goddesses and all these things. And so all the way back, all the way through history, what we've seen is is people trying to bridge the gap to God, trying to reach up, trying to uh, get to something beyond themselves. And we do it in all different ways. We're still doing it today in all different ways. And we're seeking and we're seeking and we're seeking. And so you have that picture unfolding all through history, but running right alongside that in scripture. It's God saying that you don't climb up to me. I'm pursuing you. I'm going to come down into the story for you, not you climb your way up to me. And so that's the promise that he made at the beginning. And that's what begins to unfold. And then we get here to the beginning of Matthew. And then there it is. The God of the universe is coming down. And that's what Matthew tells us. He's going to be born of a virgin and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And so we start to see that. And then you see here, you you know, just put yourself when we read this. I think sometimes we forget. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for just a moment. If he finds out that his wife is pregnant and he knows it's not his child. And he's going, what do I do with this? And it says, I love the way uh, Matthew puts it, as he considered these things. I think there's probably some anger and some frustration. I it's a little, you know, considered. I think he was doing more than just considering. But he was considering these things and the angel comes to him and he tells him this incredible thing in verse 20. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her. Is from the Holy Spirit. And so what the angel tells him. And that's the second thing I want us to get to. Is this story as the greatest hero that's ever been. Because what it tells us is the hero is God himself. God is coming. And he says to Joseph. Don't don't put her away. This is the Holy Spirit that's done this. This is God moving. She is now pregnant and with child. And God has done this supernaturally. This is not merely a man. And so the hero of the story that comes in and you start to see it, it's not just a man. This is God in the flesh. You know, oftentimes we want to make Jesus just a man. He's just a helper. He's just a good teacher. He's just someone who comes and kind of points us along. Here's some advice that you can take. Here's some things that you can do. But that's us trying to fit God into the systems that we make to try to reach up to him. We're going to try to squeeze them into the mold of we climb our way to God. So Jesus can just be a way that points us to us climbing back to God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. No, it says Jesus is God and he's come to do what we can't do for us. He's God in the flesh. Like Ezekiel tells us when God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel, I'm coming down to do this. Or the promise in the garden or the promise to Abraham or all the way through scripture. God says, I'm doing this. I'm pursuing you. I'm coming. And that's what happens. And that's what Joseph's told. This is the divine plan. And now he's here. And so in our culture today, when we think of the big hero coming on the scene, what do you think? of? We think of slow motion explosions in the background and bulging muscles and shirts hanging open and Walking real intensely in slow motion and all those things that go with it. And then here's the way God does it. It's not the hero coming like that. It's a baby coming born into poverty in the middle of the Middle East. No place to be laid. And that's how God comes in. And that's how this story, the story, the hero comes. And it's not just a man, but it's God. It's the God who created all things who spoke all things into existence, who holds all things together by his word that's existed eternally, is now a child. In fact, as we read this, if you chronologically, when we're in Matthew and Matthew hears. uh, I'm sorry, when Matthew's telling us, when Joseph hears these words, Jesus is actually an embryo. He's a fetus. Eternal God of the universe is now a fetus. And that's the story. That's the picture of the hero coming. And so the picture is that God comes down and the hero is God himself coming to us. And that takes us to the last part, the third thing that we're just going to consider briefly here for just a second. It's the greatest rescue mission ever. And the mission is such that it requires that it's God himself coming to us. It's something we can't do. It's not something that we can climb our way back to God. We need God to come to us. And that's the story and that's the way it comes. And that's what it tells us. If you look at verse 21 and so it says uh, it's Joseph, the angel speaks to him in verse 20 and it says, which is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then 21, it says she will bear his son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name itself, the name Jesus is just simply the Greek version of the Hebrew word Joshua or Yeshua And it means God saves. That's that's what the name means. That's what the name Jesus means. God saves. And that's what it tells us that God has come and he's come to save. God has come to save his people from their sins. And so what you get is, is God has now come and it's the longing of all hearts, of all people of all time. How do we bridge the gap? How do we get back to God? How do we have that relationship with him? And it says the way that we have it is God comes and he does it. He repairs it. He fixes it. He comes and resets the brokenness. He comes and regenerates all things and he comes to do it through himself. And this is the incredible part. Even in Christmas, oftentimes we get to Christmas and we say it's the baby in the manger. Oh, how neat, how beautiful. But when you read in Matthew and he says Jesus came to save us from our sins, I want you to see clearly what's happening here. When it says that, when it says the the plan has come and the beautifulness of this picture and and what's happening, that here is Jesus and it says he's come to save us from her sins right there even before he's even born. It is set that he's going to die. It's right there at the beginning. He's come to save us from our sins and the only way that he can save us from our sins is the Creator's going to come and he's going to humble himself. And he's going to come to us, and he's not going to be just an example, but he's going to live a perfect life and he's going to do what we can't do for us, and then he's going to lay his life down. And so right there is the manger. It's the baby. It's the Christmas story, the shadow is over all of it, over the manger and over the baby, and the shadow that is there is the cross. That was always the plan. That was always the case, that it was going to end at the cross. Paul tells us so clearly in Colossians chapter one, he says, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Talking about Jesus, the fullness of God is Jesus. And then it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That Jesus came for that reason. He came in the flesh so he could do what we can't do and then lay his life down for us. Second Corinthians five says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so that's the story of Christmas. It's not the there's just the cute baby in the manger that didn't have a place to lay. And so we had to put him over. It's the God of the universe coming down to do what we can't do for us and then become a sacrifice on our behalf. That is the picture. And so when we we get that and we 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 need to just stop and relish in that and think about that and let that soak in as we get so busy. The greatest idea ever that we serve a God that loves us so much that he came down into this world as a child. And he grew and he learned and he did all these things and then he lived this perfect life and he laid his life down for us. And so tonight we're going to just sing a few more songs and we're going to have communion available if you'd like to come to the table tonight. And as we as we leave here and we spend time with families and whatever your traditions are tonight and as you get up in the morning and you celebrate, I just plead with you to to have this be the center. That the God of the universe loved you so much. That he came into this story so that you could be reconciled to him through his sacrifice. That's that's the Christmas story. That's the beauty of everything we look to. And it all ends with Jesus doing what we can't do for us. Let's just bow our heads and take a moment just to pray and thank him of that fact. Dear Lord, we do. We gather here together tonight to celebrate just the beauty of Christmas that you love us infinitely. That you, though eternal and all knowing and all powerful, would humble yourself to this degree all so that you could restore us, that your glory could be seen, that we could see who you are and the way you love us. And we thank you for that. We pray that that would be the thing that is dwelling in us and through us tonight and tomorrow, and that we would leave here worshiping you and glorifying you and being excited about who you are and what you've done. We thank you for your love that is far beyond anything we can ever imagine or deserve. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.